This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 34 and we are dealing with, we're dealing with God renewing his covenant with his people after the golden calf. And the passage that we're dealing with today is it's going to harken back to the golden calf. It's important. God reveals an aspect of his nature and character that goes with the law, but it is it is something that is beyond the law. It is really it's really the aspect of his character and nature that is fully revealed in Jesus Christ, and that is his mercy, his grace, his long-suffering. It is, it is really about his goodness and his ability to overcome our sin, and that's what really this second covenant is about. And I, I say it, it's a second covenant. There's six co- covenants in the Old Testament. This is really A and B of the same covenant. It's, it was intended to be just one covenant. But like I said, Israel sinned, Israel rebelled and made the golden calf. And God had to really renew his covenant. But it's not a renewal. It's really an expansion of it. It makes the the covenant that he made with Israel on the mountaintop with the Ten Commandments, it, it adds to it. It adds depth to it. It adds understanding to it. And so even God can use that which was meant for evil for good. And the worship of the golden calf was clearly evil. But uh, God uses it for good because he really reveals himself in this new, in this renewal of the covenant, or really it is a new covenant. It's the same covenant in that God's going to choose a holy people and he's going to make his name known to the world through that people. But when you start adding in all the grace and the mercy and the long suffering and the goodness and the truth, and uh, you begin to see God in his fullness, it, it is more than the first one by far. And so he tells them that he wants them he wants them to do what he says. He wants them to learn how to to follow his will and his way rather than that of their own. Now, he tells them that he wants them to do that. He wants you to learn from me. Right? Basically, he gives an he gives all the character characteristics and all the traits that Jesus is going to bring to the table in the fullness of the law. He's going to bring them to the table, and he says, I want you to learn my will and my way, and ultimately, the only way for us to really do that is to to do it through a relationship with Jesus Christ, because it can't be done by rules. Man does not follow rules. Man follows after his own heart and his own desires, so it can't be done that way, but once we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, it, it can be done that way, and so he says, I'm fixing to drive out all the Canaanites. I'm going to I'm going to drive out I'm going, I'm going to drive out the powers of darkness the and that's what the Canaanites represent and you go why are they so bad the main reason uh, God uh, God wants to drive them out and get rid of them is because they practiced uh, human sacrifice 
And uh, worse than that, they didn't just practice human sacrifice. Their god Molech, and look that up, it's found in scripture and it's found in human history. One of my favorite, one of my favorite political commentators, I guess he is my favorite now, is Ben Shapiro. And he will, when talking about uh, abortion, he will, he will allude to the, the offering your children up on the altar of Molech. And what he's talking about is the human sacrifice that went on in Israel before the Israelites got there. And sadly, the Israelites don't do what we're about to talk about. And they go back to worshiping the gods of the Canaanites. And they go back to that. And God pronounces judgment on them. And and it is pretty bad. In fact, that's what causes them to go into exile into Babylon and eventually into Persia and back to the promised land. God had a reason the ultimate evil is to to abuse and to, to sacrifice children. That that God just he said he says in Ezekiel he says I cannot forgive that I will not forgive that, and they uh, they get involved in that. And so what's God saying here? He's saying drive out those things, the darkness and the evil that is in the promised land. Drive them out. In verse twelve he says, take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you're going lest it be a snare in your midst. Now, we're, we're talking about a covenant. We're talking about a covenant with God. And how is it that they're going to make a covenant with the Canaanites when they got a covenant with God? That's a good question. You can't. You can't. They're, they're, you can't make uh, a covenant with light and darkness. In fact, John in his epistle, 1 John, says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? What he's saying is, how can they be together? What, what fellowship does... Is there between God and he names a foreign God? And he's saying there's not any fellowship between them. They can't be together. You cannot have a spiritual covenant connection with God and relationship contract. You can't have that. And and with foreign gods, not that they're gods actually, but they are symbolic. And spiritually speaking, they are, in my opinion, fallen angels. But how can you have a relationship with God and a relationship with them. You can't. In fact, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. He'll love one and hate the other. And because the gods of darkness, because the the darkness is so natural to our sinful hearts, we are going to naturally always shift and slide toward that darkness. We're, that's what we're going to do. And so he, he's saying, you've got to, you have got to, not have anything to do with them. And he says that straight out. When you choose God, it's it's a whole choice. It's not a it's not a dip your toe in the water choice. It's a whole choice. You gotta buy in to the kingdom. You've got to you've got to join in and, and those who try to tip uh dip their toe in find that it never works out. It no it, it just doesn't work out. It's not going to work out for you. It can't work out for you. You can't play in both of the kingdoms. You can either play in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness, but you can't play for both teams. You can't wear both hats. It's very much like Alabama. You can't be for Auburn and Alabama. You have to be for one of them. Now, you cannot hate the other one in Alabama, but we'll make you if you stay here long enough. That's that's how it works here. And I use that illustration for those of you who are in Alabama. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The truth is that as far as, as your life is concerned, 
you either walk with God or you walk in darkness. And if you've got any questions about that, you need to come on Wednesday nights to our First John Bible study. I explained it in pretty deep and pretty de- deep understanding that you cannot love darkness and love the light. And he says, take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Well, how do I do that? I continue to live in that darkness. I continue to choose choose the lifestyle and and the people and the things that are the darkness. Now, does that mean that I just totally get rid of everything, everybody I know who is not a part of the church? No, you don't. But that means that you definitely draw a line and you come out from from their midst and you come into the kingdom. That's how it works. And there's not really any way to get around that. You have to do that. When we dabble in the darkness, we have no power in the light. It's just not any way to do that. I can't make it any I can't make it any less important. He says here, if you're going to have my best, if you're going to be and understand and walk with me, you cannot walk in the darkness. He says, not only that, but in your own life, because you've been walking in the darkness, you're going to destroy their altars, their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. Now, they had, in in Canaan, they worshipped, their gods, generally speaking, were carved out of wood, and they had high places, and what that's their sacred pillars. The best way for me to really describe them is, is they would have been a rudimentary form of obelisk, like the Washington Monument, but they would have been more like something we may have found in the United States when we came here among some of the Native American tribes. They may have been like more like totem poles. They were poles. They had images carved in them. They were set up on high places, mountains or high hills in their tribal area, and they were the high places where they went to worship. And oftentimes I, I, I find it so hilarious. We do we put all that symbology in our churches, and we've been doing it for hundreds and thousands of years. A steeple is a picture of one of these high places. It's a somewhat like an obelisk, and it is a high place. And we say that just represents Jesus. It points to God. Now, as far as historically speaking, it was a high place where they worshipped where they worshipped foreign gods. There's not much we can do about that. We've got churches all over the country that have them. And, but if you'll notice, more of our modern churches that are building uh, buildings today generally don't put steeples up because now we really understand that those are those generally, well, not generally, completely historically, they relate back to uh, these high places and, the, and our understanding of them. And you go, so, so we break down the altar. That's where you sacrifice. And obviously, uh, uh, where you where you sacrifice your life or where you place your life at, where you give of your life to, is where your heart's going to be. It's where you're going to be. And so he says you got to break down their altars. You can't get, you can't invest your life into the worldly things that are around us. You just can't do it. You, you, he says you got to break that altar. You got to not invest your life in the world. And that's why there has to be that stark difference between living in the light and living in the darkness, because you can't live in both. You can't invest your life in the light and the darkness. You're going to ultimately invest in one of them. And when you put just dabble in Christianity or stick your toe in, show up just every once in a while, when you do that with your life, boy, you're, to be honest, you're going to eventually just fall back into the world because that's what you're used to. And learning to walk in the light's hard. And, and you're not going to do it. You're just not going to do the difficult things if you're not, if you're not 
fully sold out to it. You got to break down their altars. He's, and that's what he says. He says, you, you got to break down the altars. You got to tear out the high, high places, meaning you can't have that be the place where you have your life highs at. Your spiritual, you, a lot of times people say, I can't wait till Friday. Why? Because I'm going to live in the world Friday. I can't wait till Friday because it starts the weekend, which culminates in Sunday. And Sunday is the most important day of the weekend for me and for my family. Always has been. Why? Because that's the time where we meet with God. And your life has to be oriented around God, not oriented around the world. And that's how you got to break those pillars down. And then you've got to cut down their images. You can't allow them to have those images. You cannot have those other gods in your life. And that's what he's saying here. He says, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God, meaning God's jealous for a relationship with you. And, and that's obvious that he's jealous for a relationship with you because he has, he's given the ultimate sacrifice to have that relationship. But you can't act like you're going to just continue on uh, living like the world and God has given everything to be with you and you're just you're playing around with it. He says, if you do, if you do that, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with, the, with their gods and make sacrifices to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat, with, uh, eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters and, for your sons and his daughters play, with the harlot, play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. What he's saying is if you continue on uh, living in the darkness, what's going to happen? Your children are going to live in the darkness. That's what's going to happen. And then their children are going to know nothing but the darkness. And ultimately, they're going to be lost. They're going to be lost. And, and, and you go, that's pretty scary. Yeah. So many times we've got young families who play in the world and let their children grow up playing in the world. And they never, ever figure it out. They never, ever get it that they're teaching their children to walk in darkness. And then when they get older teenagers and then when they get to be young adults and they play in the world far better than their parents did because their parents were trying to play both sides of the fence, they just wholesale give into the world. Then their parents are distraught that my, my child, he's just totally, he's just totally worldly. And then all of a sudden they realize my grandchildren are going to be, all they're going to know is darkness. And they wonder why. Well, the reason is, and I, we have a lot of young families in our church. The reason is, and I, I want my family, I want these, these young people to understand this. You can't love God and love the world. You can't do it. And if you love the world, it's going to be very, it's not going to go well for your life. It's not going to go well in the kingdom, and you're always going to be feeling torn between the two. But the worst part about that is your children are not really even going to know the light a whole lot. And then worse than that, your grandchildren are going to be wholly enslaved back into the darkness. And when you get my age, when you get to your late 40s and early 50s, and you realize that is a scary proposition and you realize you really don't have anything you can't fix that because you don't have control over it. That's a good reason to figure it out now. 
A life lived in the light is a life that has hope and has a future to it. And if you want to have hope and have a future for yourself, you got to walk with God. And I can promise you this, if you want your family to have a hope and a future, they need to see you walking with God. And if you hadn't been doing it in the past, you need to make that start change today. You need to decide today that I'm going to walk with God and I'm not going to walk in the darkness. You need to decide today that today is the day that I'm going to tear, I'm going to break those altars. I'm going to tear down those high places. I'm going to cut down those images of the world. And I'm going to, I'm going to give my heart totally to God. That is coming back from the pig pen. That's I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm not going to turn back from it. If you do that, I can promise you this. God can change the course of history. He can change what you think you've destroyed and he can build up his kingdom in your life and in the life of your family. I pray that you'll do that. I pray that you'll do it. I don't care if you're uh, 25, 45, or 65. I pray that you'll decide today that I am going to do that. And I'm going to give my family some light and some hope. And I'm going to make sure it's in my life completely. If you do, if you'll be faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. It's all he's ever wanted is to be merciful and gracious to you. To be long-suffering, and some of you, he's had to wait a long time to make it happen. But ultimately, he's true to his promises. You be true to yours. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.